Praise God. Isn't God good? Amen? Woo! Praise God. Well, man, we certainly had a great VBS. You know, overrunneth with children. Uh, I'm sure most of you have heard. You know, we had like 80 children. That's the largest amount that we've ever had. And so praise God for that. I'm believing for... I told y'all Sunday I was believing for a revival with the kids, and I was a little overwhelmed. But as I told you always about revival, you know, revival brings issues, and, you know, so the septic system went out, the hot water heater blew up, uh, you know, all other things went on, and so I said, that's what happens. But praise God, the Word of God was preached, and kids were blessed. So get your Bibles out tonight. I want to share something with you off of Sunday's message that was off of Wednesday's message that was off of last Sunday's message. I'm going to finish it up. Man, make sure and be here Sunday. Bring somebody with you. We're going to have a great 4th of July celebration, and uh, it's going to be good. So I want you... I want you to, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. I want you to go, go to Hebrews 10, 14. I want to talk about something tonight, and then I want to. So we talked about this whole thing about, about walking in the Spirit, okay? And so you're a Christian. You're born again. If you've asked Jesus to come into your heart, and he's the Lord of your life, and the Spirit of God's living on the inside of you, well, then it, the Bible says Christ is being formed in us, all right? That the spirit of the living God, the God that created the heavens and earth and all they're in, he's in you. Okay? But then why do we walk around as Christians that, you know, have no power, don't have any victory, have no direction? Because we don't learn how to walk in the spirit. What we do is we just continue to walk in the flesh. We just continue to be Christians, but we just walk like everybody else in the world. And that shouldn't be. Okay? You're supposed to be supernatural. Hello? You're supposed to wake up in the morning. Man, I wake up every morning, and I'm so glad that I'm not going to hell. Because, I mean, it was a close, close. I mean, I, I was there. I was getting, you know, feeling the breath, the back of my neck. And I'm so glad I'm saved. I'm so glad. I'm, I mean, if nothing else in that day works right, I'm just glad I'm going to heaven. Bless God. Because I know that I know that I know down on the inside of me, Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of my life. Well, okay, so... We've got to walk now this walk called the walk of the Spirit, okay? Walking in the Spirit. And it's not a big mystical thing. It's simply allowing what's on the inside of you to begin to guide and direct everything about your whole day and everything going on. Amen? So I started this thing out. Let me just touch it right quick, and if I can, and not get lost in somewhere First thing is, like I just said, you have to be born again, right? You, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I mean, that's where you start. You're not going to ever serve God by the flesh. That's called religion. Can I have an amen? I mean, if you're just trying to serve God by the flesh, that's just religion. You're just trying to do good, you know? That's like saying, you know, uh, I've heard people say this. I shouldn't say this because I'll get in trouble, but that's all right. Feel a little horsey tonight. Um, you know, people say they're going to fast. Yeah, I'm, I'm, God's called me to fast. I want to do the Daniel fast. I want to do this. But really, when you get right down to it, they just are trying to lose weight, and it's a diet. So you just turn it into holy, and you call it a fast. I mean, you know, that's all it is. 
It's just, it's just weight loss, okay? But anyway, you're not going to serve God by your flesh, okay? You've got to have the Spirit on the inside of you. You've got to learn the walk of the Spirit. But you're not going to even learn the walk of the Spirit unless you're born again, because Jesus said you can't even perceive the things that are going on. That's why the world's out there like, what are we doing wrong? We're not doing anything wrong. And you're like, you're so far off. Can you see how far off you are? Hello? Okay. Second thing is, is that I talked about in John 16, Acts chapter 10, you have to understand the Holy Spirit. You have to get the Holy Spirit in your life and flow with the Holy Spirit to let him guide you and lead you and direct you and everything going on. And if you're not, if you're, again, now if you're just hanging on to your salvation, but you're not going to move on to, the, to a, a relationship with the Holy Spirit, well, then you, you're, you're still doing it the hard way, okay? Man, I need the Holy Ghost every day of my life. He has got to be there to help me, to get me, to keep me out of trouble. Don't do this. Don't say that. Go here. Go there. Stop. Don't. I mean, he's directing me all day long because if I not, I'm going to mess up. I'm going to do something wrong. I'm going to get myself in trouble. Okay. And then the third thing was, is simply we've got to learn to get the word of God in our lives. If you're not reading your Bibles, you're not, you're not continually, habitually using the scripture cards, using your word, using devotions, doing something, building yourself in, in, up in the word of God, well then, you know. Um, you're going to get overwhelmed. Okay? The fourth thing was, is we've got to learn the fear of the Lord. There is no, there's, I, know, I shouldn't say there is no, but there's a lot of people today, they do not have the fear of God in them. There is no fear of God. They don't fear God. They don't fear retribution. They don't fear, they literally don't even fear consequences. All right? And that's, that's nutso. Okay? We've got to have the fear of the Lord or not. That doesn't mean you're scared of God. It means you reverence God so much because of the moral conviction within your own life, because you've been reading the word, because you're born again, because you've got a relationship with the Holy Spirit, that you're convicted and you're not going to go that direction. You don't have to tell me not to knock off a liquor store. I know it's wrong, right? I'm just not going to do it. All right? So uh, that's the fear of the Lord. Okay, so then the last thing we talked about where I want to finish up tonight is we're talking about the sanctification process. Then once this has got started in your life, okay, you're born again. You've got a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You're putting the word of God in your life, all right? You've got the fear of the Lord in your life. Well, then this process starts in your life. It's called sanctification because nobody is perfect. You just don't, you're just not a, you're just, you're just not, you know, like you're not, whoo, how do I say it? You're, it's not like you're like you like you're crazy and you just come and get saved and then you're now you're sane. You're just saved, but you're still crazy. You've got to have the sanctification process, work out, renew your mind to the word of God, learn what you've been doing wrong. You know, there's a process here. But praise God, the Holy Ghost helps you out. That's what it's all about. And that's what I want to get into tonight. So. And let me just give you a couple of scriptures that I've already given you. Hebrews 10, 14, for it says, for by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. It's a process. All right. But a lot of Christians just go a certain, a certain amount with the Lord and then they stop. And when you stop, you become stagnant. If you're not moving forward, you're going backwards. Okay. They're not growing in their relationship with the Lord. They're not, they're not, they're not developing a relationship. They're not knowing him. They're not that every day is getting more word in them and say, oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah I'm, 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 I'm walking, I'm walking taller than I used to. You know what I mean? And we can't do that. It's a process. It's your life until you see Jesus face to face. You're never going to know it all. 
Okay? So, um, go to, look at Hebrews 12.1. So this process, let's give me a few things, and then I have to change because I, the Holy Ghost just changed my message, and so, so I'm going to have to wing it here. But let me give you these points. <clears throat> I just hate it when the Holy Ghost comes in and messes my outline up. Irritating. Hebrews 12.1. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. Okay, so this renewing your mind is a part of the sanctification process. Right? I've spent my whole life. I didn't do it. I've spent my whole life being so totally amazed every time I read my Bible, even to this day, I open it up and I say, what? I, can't, I didn't know it said that. And I've been reading my Bible for 40 years. But I'll find something, I'm like, it, this is alive to me, and it looks at me, and I'm like, what? But if you don't have that process going on all the time, you're not renewing your mind to the Word of God. Or a situation or circumstance comes up that day, and that scripture happened to apply to it, and you're like, God, you're so awesome. That's the sanctification process working in you. You should be happy about it because the word's alive to you and God's speaking to you. So, I mean, hey, this should be exciting. You're a part of the kingdom, right? So Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God. You know, you know this scripture, Hebrews 4.12, the word of God's living. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. So the word of God's living. It's alive. It's not a dead word. It's not ink on paper. It has the ability to come in and work in your life and carve some things off. How many of you can say that there was a scripture you knew, you know, like you had it in your heart, you've known it for a while, and then all of a sudden one day you read the same scripture and it cut you? Hello? I mean, all of a sudden you're like, oh gosh. That, that didn't cut me the last time I read it, but today it cut me, Okay. What's it doing? It's shaving off all those parts of you that's not right. And you didn't notice it before, but all of a sudden now the living words come in. This is the sanctification process. This is what I'm talking about. It's not like you're just, yes, you are being more saintly, but the sanctification is it's getting off of you. It's the old man's going away. All right? So that brings me to the second point. All right? Is in this sanctification process, there's a renewing the mind, but there's also controlling the flesh. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Oh, do you notice who got crucified? I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Isn't this what I've been talking about? But wait a minute. You didn't get a vote because you're dead. You've been, you've been crucified. If we had ever get this through our thick skulls that we don't get to go to the throne and vote. We get to go to the throne and ask the Father what he would want us to do because we're his servants. But it's Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh Oh, I have to live it by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So wait a minute. So we still have to live out this life in the flesh. 
So we don't get to live our life in the flesh like we would want to live our life in the flesh. We don't get to say what we'd want to say. We don't get to act like we'd want to act. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It's not yours. Hello? Some of those things we don't like to. We got to forgive when we don't want to forgive. We got to turn the other cheek. We don't want to turn the other cheek. We want to live in the flesh. We want to do what we want to. Everybody said, rah, rah, right? Because, see, I'm not preaching a, a message that everybody wants to say, oh, that just made me feel so good. No, I just told you you had to die. And nobody want to listen to that. But, I mean, it's the Word of God. See, this is the thing, folks. <clears throat> if I just teach you and preach to you and just make you feel happy, but I don't give you anything to help you in life, well, then what good have I done? Right? Uh, then, then I, hadn't given, I haven't done anything for you. I just made you feel good. It's like the ice cream place. 21 flavors or whatever. They make you feel good for a moment. Then you go outside. Then the devil jumps on you and said, man, you fat pig. I can't believe you ate that ice cream. <laughs> right? It was temporary. It goes away. But I'm trying to teach you something that's gonna, that you can apply to your life every day so you can be the men and women of God that God called you to be, all right? So then, so then uh, you, you, don't get, you don't get a choice. So that takes me to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, no temptation is overtaking you, such as is common to man. In other words, whatever, whatever you think that you're the only one that's ever walked through it, you're wrong. You think you're the only one that's ever been tempted to do it. That's not true. It's not true at all. I'm shocked that sometimes when I, I uh, am reading history books or something and I'm, and I'm reading something that took place like, let's say, in 1700. Because I've been reading a lot trying to get ready for the 4th and, and, and thinking about 4th of July and and all reading what was going on in 1700 and stuff like that. And I'm looking at the things that they were dealing with, and I'm like, that's the same stuff we dealt with. It's, it's, what do you mean? It's like there's nothing new under the sun is what Solomon said, right? And there really isn't. But there's no temptation so we're taking you except as is common to man. But God is faithful. Everybody say God's faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond that you're able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, listen, the thing about temptations are there's different kinds of temptations. But the main thing about a temptation is when you overcome it, you just grew. The sanctification process has taken place in you and you grew and you overcame. So now you're stronger and you're smarter. And so the next time the temptation rises up, you smack it down. That's the temp, that's the sanctification process working in you. Now, if it overcomes you every time, well, then you have to go back up to the other points. Maybe your relationship with the Holy Spirit isn't where it should be. Maybe you had not got enough of the Word of God in you. Maybe you're not walking in the fear of God, right? Okay. Now, third thing. I got to hurry. I got to hurry because I got a whole other message to preach. The third thing is Romans 8.34. It says, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore also is risen, 
who is even at the right hand of God, who always makes intercession for us. The third thing you got to understand about in this sanctification process you're walking, Jesus is praying for you. Now, let me ask you a question. How effective do you think Jesus's prayers are? Think about that for a second. He's sitting right by the Father. He's the Son and all authority has been given to him. How effective do you think his prayer life is? He said, well, I prayed and nothing happened. But if Jesus is making intercession for me, all I got to do is get in agreement with him. You think about that. Whoa, man. <laughs> He's making intercession for me. I'm going to get it. Think about, oh, sometimes I just, sometimes I make my, I, I disgust myself. Sometimes I get to thinking about it, the, the, the smallness of my faith. And I get mad at myself and I'm like, Robert, you wimp, you sissy. I cannot believe that you're not believing God for more than this. And I'm always stretching myself to believe God for more and do more and go bigger and, you know, let's rescue more kids and let's build an orphanage somewhere else and let's do this. And I'm, and I'm always challenging myself. And I remember the days when I was believing God for $10 and then $20 and $100. And then I remember, you know, I remember, you know, my wife and I sitting one time and all we had, but this is all we had in life. Not like on us, not like in cash on us. I'm talking about all the money we had in life was $7. Seven. You say, how could you get yourself in that situation? Well, you should have been in my shoes. But I had $7. My wife starts crying. We're sitting in, in, a, in a church meeting, church service off somewhere. And uh, she starts crying. I said, what? And he said, the Holy Spirit told me to give it all. And I said, being the great man of faith that I was, I said, just $7, give it all. I mean, I don't think it's going to make any difference one way or the other. $7, I said, might get a Coke back there or something, but I mean, you know, let it all go. And that day our lives changed because we gave everything we had. And I'm just saying it was at seven dollars. So then I get out to believe, and then it gets to be bigger, and then it's then it's ten thousand dollars, and it's twenty, then it's fifty, and then you're like, oh, and then you know. But then you get to think about it. How could you lose if Jesus is praying for you and directing you? He's sitting right by the throne of God. How could it be? How could you get off? He was said, oh, nobody loves me. God doesn't love me. Nobody. What are you talking about? Look at what the scripture says. It's because you've not renewed your mind to the word of God. You don't have the truth on the inside of you. Okay? Then the fourth thing is here. Hebrews 4.14. Hebrews 4.14 says, Seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Here we go. Jesus knows the trials you're walking through, but look what he says. He sympathizes with our weaknesses, but it was in all parts tempted as we are, yet without sin. So he's the one that, that, that overcame because he, he didn't sin. Are you with me? But he said he was tempted just like we always are. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and a help in time of need. So not only does Jesus know the trial you're going through, not only does he know the temptation you're going through, not only is he interceding for you, he said, look, I've already gone through it, already did it, already won it, and here's grace for you. 
Now, folks, just, let me just put it this way. This is as simple as I can get. He said, if you just believe in me, I'll come and live in you. Give me this. I'm just, you know, come on. You just believe in me. So all you got to do is believe in me that I'm the son of God, and I'll come and live in you. And then I'm going to give you a helper, the Holy Spirit. And then I'm going to be praying for you all the time. And I know it's going to be hard and difficult in situations, but don't worry. I've already overcome every one of those, and I'm going to give you my grace to do it. And all I need you to do is keep your mind on me through the word. Just keep your mind on me and let me renew you. Don't think like the world thinks. Don't, go, don't think like that. Just, 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 just let me. I just need you to read. <laughs> I'll do the rest. I just need you to read. And grace is going to come upon you. And then you know what? I'm going to present you holy and unblameable without any reproof before the presence of God with exceeding joy. That's what he said he'd do. And we somehow think it's hard. We somehow get into some kind of deal that it's hard to walk the Christian walk when he's done all of this for us. So here we go. Go to the book of Luke. The book of Luke, chapter 15. Story of the prodigal son. Verse 11. A certain man had two sons. The younger of them, he said to his father, Father, give me the portions of good that fall to me. And he divided into them his livelihood. And not many days afterwards, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possession on prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. Now let me ask you a question. Was this... Young man, not the son of the father. He was his son, right? He had his blood in him. All right? Remember that. And so he went and joined himself to the citizens of the country, and they sent him out in the fields to feed the swine. And when he, when he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, he gave, no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, everybody say he came to himself. He says, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. How many people, how many Christians out there in the world are suffering tonight? Because they don't believe God loves them. They don't understand the grace of God. They don't understand that, uh, you know, prayer works. They don't understand just what I've shared with you a little bit tonight. And they're sitting out there thinking that God's forsaken them, thinking it's, you know, uh, the, the, where is God? What has he done? And then they get to thinking, they get to look and say, well, man, you know, even those, even those other Christians over there, I mean, they're doing pretty good. They're doing better than I am. But where did, what did the son do? He never allowed the sanctification process to work in his life. He never did anything with what the father had given him. He never read his Bible. I mean, I know. I mean, give me the story, okay? Preaching with a broad brush now. He never read his Bible. He never renewed his mind. And so what happened? He thought he'd have more fun out in the world. So he ran out in the world, did whatever the world does, but the whole time he's still a son. Because the devil lied to him, whispered in his ear. He started living by conjecture and supposition rather than truth. Thought it would be better over there. Thought it would be 
Better to just go out there and run wild. Then he's out there feeding the pigs and ain't nobody helping him. So, wow, the world really did. Those are really nice guys, weren't he, that he went and partied with when he spent all his money. Now he's got nothing left and nobody even help him. You see, what I'm trying to say here is in this whole process, we look at this story of the prodigal son, but we forget that the son was a son to start out with. And he very easily could have stayed in the father's house and said, Father, teach me your ways. I want to know your ways. I want to be the prince that I'm supposed to be. And all I'm saying is why do Christians have to go to the, why do they get saved and serve God for a little bit and then just smack down flat, mess up, because they never applied the word of God to their life, and then say, well, you know, God, what? I'm in a mess. I say it's time for Christians to rise up and be the, the sons and daughters of God that we're called to be, Right? But look at here, Uh, verse 20. So he rose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and he had compassion on him. And he ran and fell on his neck and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servant, bring out the best robes and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and the sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For my son has been, he was dead, he's alive again, he's lost and is found, and they begin to be married. Do you realize that the father never addressed the son? The son had his speech all made. Oh, I've sinned, I've done all this stuff, you know. And the father never addressed it. He didn't say, oh, shut up. He didn't say, son, you, you, that's a devil thinking. He didn't chastise him. You sorry, no good for nothing, spent all my money out there. Was it fun? Did you like it? How'd the pig food taste? Hell is hot and sin ain't right. No, he didn't do nothing like that. He just immediately turned and he said, look, he's finally come to himself. He came home. So go ahead, bring out the best robe. Get out the, get the ring. Put the sandals on his feet. Let's get him restored right now. Back on the path of sanctification so he can be my son. Let's have a party and be merry. Let's get the thing going because he's home and now he's kind of learned a lesson. And so, man, come on, let's go on out here because it's a good day. Right? And then, you know, the story of the other brother. The other brother was out there. And so the other brother, you know, he hears with the party, what's going on? That your brother's come home. He's mad. Sorry, scoundrel. Shouldn't have done that. What's he doing? He killed the fatted calf. You never even gave me a goat. And the father says, all that I have could have been yours if you'd have just asked me. Mm, mm, mm. Look at, I want to read it again. Verse 31. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. Wasn't it right that I should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and he's alive again? He's lost and is found. All, all that I have is yours. And what God is saying to you tonight For everyone out there watching, everyone listening, everyone in here, everything in the kingdom of God, it's yours if you want to walk in it. Everything in the kingdom is yours, but you've got to learn the walk of the spirit and you can't tell God how to do it. You've got to understand God's ways and walk with him in his ways. And when you do, then you find the fatted calf banquet. You find the robe. You find the ring of authority. You find the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. You find these things when you get in line with God and do it the way he wants it done. But you got to know something tonight. Hear these words. All that I have is yours. Do you know that God is holding nothing back from you tonight? Nothing back. 
If you need healing, if you need financial assistance, you need whatever, nothing is he holding back from you tonight. Nothing. It's yours. But you're going to have to be a son. You're going to have to come to your senses, and you're going to have to do it his way. And that process is called the sanctification process. And that gets you to that place. And I don't know about y'all, but it makes me happy. It makes me very, very happy to know that all that the, is in heaven, all that I have, all that he has is mine. Now, I can tell you all this. When I first started out, you know, when I started out preaching 35 years ago, I thought by now, surely I could have brought the world to its knees in revival. I felt sure that give me 10 years on the mission field, I'll have it wrapped up. God will say, we might as well just bring them home. I mean, Robert's got them all saved. I just knew it. I knew just my feet set on a continent. We'd do it. And, you know, then I had to find, start finding out that God had his plan and the way he wanted to work things, and it wasn't me, it was him. Right? And God was going to bring everything about in his timing. I still never forget when I was in the Ukraine preaching, and, and right after, it was in 93, right after the wall came down, I'm standing in the Ukraine, and in this little center courtyard, these big high-rise buildings with 100,000 people in each one. We're in the middle of the courtyard. Man, I, I, I said, this is it. I have arrived. I mean, we're going to see the miracles. So I stood up there, and we started preaching. A few people came out, and, then, you know, and uh, I'll never forget it. I don't know what happened. I don't know why I wasn't thinking. I just was not thinking. And uh, I said, I got all fired up, my spit flying, and I said, communism will rise, and communism will fall, but Jesus will always be there. And about that time, my interpreter just hit the ground, boom, just fell on the ground, just hit. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> Looking at him, he laying down on the concrete. About that time, somebody grabs me by the back of my shirt and jerks me back, and here it comes, man. All the potatoes, they started throwing potatoes at us down on the deal. And that poor old interpreter got hit right in the head with a spud from like 15 floors up and just knocked him out cold. And here come the potatoes raining down. And so they're just, I'm, we're, I'm, I'm down by, hiding by the wheel of this little van. Just, it just sounds like hailstones. And the interpreter looks up at me and says, maybe don't say that again. <laughs> and I say, yeah, I'll take that out of the message from now on. We won't talk about communists because there were still hardline communists there, you know, and they didn't like me saying that. And I thought, well, I probably got off in the flesh on that one. We'd like to kill the poor interpreter over there. Because we do things, we do it where we want to do it. You follow me? But all the kingdom's yours. And don't forget that. So no matter whatever situation you're going through, no matter whatever problems, man, Jesus loves you. He's right there for you. But you got to do it his way. Amen. Amen. Look at the person beside you and say, you got to do it his way. Amen. Well, bless God. Put your Bibles up. Stand up. Look at the person beside you and say, I'm glad I came tonight. And I want to pray for you tonight that we all come to our senses. That we all come to our senses and keep growing. Amen.
So, Father, bless them tonight. I just pray over each and every person here, everybody listening and watching. I just declare, Lord God, right now that we are going to continue to grow with you through the sanctification process. Lord, if there's anybody out there and they've never heard a message like this, they've never heard your word of love and, and, and intercession and peace and grace and everything you give them, Lord, I just pray tonight that right now you would just stop and say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I invite you in. I believe you're the Son of God. And the moment they do that, Lord, I just declare that they're born again. They're saved and starting out this life. Lord, I just declare that each and every one of us are going to continue to grow. We're going to continue to just walk out this walk of the Spirit. And as we do, we're going to be like that. We're not going to, we're, uh, hopefully we're not like the prodigal son and in the pig pen. But Lord, I just declare that we're coming home. We want to be with you. We want to walk with you. We want to learn from you. We want the robe. We want the ring. We want the shoes. We want to walk with you, Lord. And so, Lord, I just praise you tonight for blessing the people. Open up our eyes so we can see and walk with you. And Lord, I just declare the anointing of God is upon us. I declare as we go out tomorrow, we're going to come across people. We're going to be able to tell them the good news. I thank you, Lord, that our finances are blessed. I thank you that everything that we're doing and reaching around the world, that you just continue to prosper and bless the hands of those giving. And Lord, I praise you for it. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Hey, God bless you, church.